I think so. Clap. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we have uh, uh, Carl is off with the Brothers Four. He sent me a picture from them on stage last night. I think they were in New New York or somewhere. Uh, he'll be back next Sunday, but uh, he's off traveling, and Sheila is away at a, a family funeral. So uh, we have a whole new musical theme over here. So not all new, but uh, a new new gathering. So uh, thank you uh, to our team over here for leading us. And Pastor Chris is going to bring a good word for us today. And uh, this is great. Uh, the table is set, and we're going to share Holy Communion together today. And you also see somebody else who joined us, all the preschoolers, the mini-me's. Every year, the preschoolers uh, put these little people together. They get to design them and pick their color, all the rest of it. And uh, so uh, we're happy for that as well. The order of service is printed for you in the bulletin. Uh, everything is projected for you as well. Uh, if it's comfortable for you, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, uh, drawing us towards this table. Now. continue with a responsive reading or litany for this uh, first Sunday in May. I was glad when they said to me, by the invitation of Almighty God, all are welcome. You're welcome here. 
you are welcome here. God calls you to a new beginning. All are welcome at God's table. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We sing our hymn of praise, You Are Holy. We'll sing through it twice. Gracious and loving God, you alone are holy. You alone are worthy to be praised. You alone are holy, and yet you embrace the title of servant. You washed feet and touched the untouchable. You alone, Lord, are holy, and yet you invite us to your house, to this table. Here you promise us new life and the forgiveness of sins. Inspire us now by your Holy Spirit that our lives may be lived in gratitude and service, following the example of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Testing. Oh, there we go. The first reading is from Acts, the seventh chapter, beginning at the 55th verse. It's the account of the first Christian martyr. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, 
I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord.
reading now from uh, the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me of anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, friends. Eight years ago, my mother died, and it broke my heart. Two years ago, my father died, and it broke my heart. She was a poet, a mystic, a contemplative, a writer, an artist, a bohemian. She would have loved it on Woodby Island. My dad was a rationalist, a scientist, trained in science. He was a, he was a uh, pharmacist at the VA. They were married for 57 years, and these two polar opposites made it work. They left a legacy of love that I cherish every day. So I come to this gospel text with personal interest. And I want to suggest to you that we all should, really. Because having clarity about the end of life can clarify pretty quickly how to live well. And having clarity about life after death can, either, can even further tighten that clarity. My parents lived with this point of view. Their faith informed their decisions and their priority, and their faithfulness to one another. And it gave them peace as they walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I know, I was there with them. So I come to this text with personal interest. What 
does it mean when Jesus says, I go to prepare a dwelling for you? When I was in kid, when I was a kid, about seven years old, I lived in Chicago for a couple of years, and I remember the snowbanks being so high, and my dad would shovel the snow, and they'd be twice as high. And in this, to this scrawny seven-year-old kid, they just seemed like mountains. And we would bore into the side of these snowbanks and build a tunnel that would end in what we would create to be a cavern inside, kind of like a igloo, only buried. And my mom would come in at noon, and she would bring a tray, and she would enter the tunnel, and she would bring us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the tray. And she would exclaim what a wonderful cave it was, and how warm and cozy, and how, how beautiful it was. Dwelling. When Amy and I were first married, we lived in a garage that had been converted into a, an apartment. It was made of cinder blocks, and it was cold, and it was damp, and any wood furniture that we had cracked over the course of the two years that we lived there. It wasn't much to speak of, but we were happy as clams. What is it about dwellings that we most remember? It's not the color of the walls. It's not the condition of the furniture. It's not the window dressings. It's who dwelt there with you. It's not what, it's who. As we turn to scripture, we discover a God who loves to dwell. Think about it, God dwelt in the garden with Adam and Eve. God dwelt with the Israelites in a tabernacle across the desert. God dwelt in the temple at Jerusalem. God dwelt, finally, in human flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, among us. But before Jesus was crucified, before he was raised from the dead, he said to his anxious disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many dwellings. Well, what kind of dwellings is Jesus talking about here? Some see these dwellings as rooms in a much larger dwelling, like a hotel. Others see a reference to the temple that had rooms for the priests to dwell, kind of indicating our vocation as kings and priests. But frankly, the details are a little vague. But into that void, we cast our images of heaven and life everlasting. And a popular notion is that it's a place that's white and has fluffy clouds. And St. Peter is at the gate. He's got a long white beard and a long white gown, and he's got a key in his hand, questioning, inquisiting, do you have the right credentials to enter this place? Angels are playing harp music on repeat. 
over and over and over again. It's a silly image, really. It's almost comical. Because when we look to Scripture, a grander, much more alluring picture begins to emerge. And perhaps the most stunning picture is the one we receive in Revelation 21. I wish I could go into detail. It's a fascinating chapter. I'm just going to pinpoint one thing. Come, says one of God's angels to John, and I will show you the bride. Who's the bride? Well, that's the church of Jesus Christ. And this bride is now described as a magnificent city. Twelve gates bearing the name of the twelve tribes built on the twelve foundations named for the disciples. It's apocalyptic shorthand for a community of people whose walls and pillars are people. It seems that God's great treasure are not rocks or minerals that adorn this new Jerusalem, this new creation. What God sees as precious is not gold-lined streets, but people. Glorious people refined like gold and made perfect through his Son. And into that place we are told that God will wipe every tear dry. Three weeks ago, a sheriff knocked on our door at 9 p.m. It's not what you want to hear at 9 p.m. I was downstairs. Amy was upstairs. She opened the door. She scrambled down the stairs, a little anxious, frantic, maybe, and looked at me and said, there's, there's, there's a police person at our door. What did you do? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 let's go find out what's going on here. So we, so, so we went upstairs, me with my tail between my leg, and we learned that she was there to let us know that my uncle had passed away. He lived in Oak Harbor for most of his life, and he had died. That uncle was the last of my brothers, my father's brothers, and the one who introduced me to the thrill of speed, race car speed. He took me to all sorts and manners of race car tracks. And he introduced me to what speed feels like as I drove with him on country roads and he opened up his 1967 Corvette Stingray. Yeah, if you know anything about cars, I had been riding waves of grief for seven years. You don't get over this. I haven't. First my dad, then my mom, and now this. It felt like I had come to an ocean riding waves, and the surfboard that I brought along was just not big enough. It just wasn't big enough. I don't need to tell this to you, but there are hurts in this life that will not heal, nor would we want them to heal. Grief of a loved one is one of those. We don't want that to heal because it is a part of carrying our loved ones with us in memory. 
The season of Easter is in part a recognition that this life is not a no zone of suffering. The road to resurrection passes through the cross. And on that road, as we trot it together following our Savior, we trust God with the broken places of our life, knowing that one day he will wipe every tear dry and every wrong will be put right. And the experience of this restoration of heaven meeting earth in a new creation will be a joy down to the marrow of our bones. This is our great hope. How many of you remember the movie The Titanic? Remember that? Two lovers stand on the prow of a great ship as it slices through the sea. It's romance, it's beauty, it's adventuresome, but then tragedy strikes. Spoiler alert, the ship plunges into the icy waters and people slowly freeze. Then all is lost, the beauty, the romance, the adventure, and then cut to the final scene, a camera takes us to the bottom of that ocean. And we see the rotting hull of a once great ship. Then the wreckage transforms back into a magnificent ship, afloat and full of life. Light floods the windows. Doors fly open. People are dancing. Music is playing. People are rejoicing. All has been restored. Tragedy does not have the final word. Paradise is regained. Well, that final scene is but a dim echo of the great hope that we share. According to the Apostle Paul, death, that great enemy, that great enemy, that aberration, we were created to live forever. That great enemy will not have the final word. The God who loves to dwell will one day restore Eden, reclaim his creation, and gather a people from every tribe and nation into a community that will love and enjoy life unsurpassed, filled up everything with the fullness of God, filled with the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. This is not a Hollywood fantasy. This is not a wish. It is not a dream. It is not a projection. It is a promise that is tethered to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the God who loves to dwell with us invites us, you and I, in all our fear, in all our doubt, in all our heartache, to dwell in God's eternal life. Present, even now, because the eternal God is always here and now. My friends, we have heard this throughout the Easter season. We have heard it from Pastor Jim. We have heard it from Pastor Tom. Now you're going to hear it again. Do not fear.
do not fear. Or as Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus has conquered death, and nothing can separate us from the love of God here and now. And nothing can separate us from dwelling in the love of God forever. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the best ways to respond to a message of hope like this is to lift our praise to our Creator, our Savior, and the great hope that is held out to all of us. So I invite you to stand as we sing one of the great hymns of the faith, How Great Thou Art.
Alive in the risen Christ, we bring our prayers before God. God of life, strengthen your people to proclaim the good news of the gospel as Stephen did, even in times of trouble. Let us build bridges between peoples of the world rather than walls. Let us be voices of peace and reconciliation where conflict is the norm. And let us admit where we are failing or have fallen short of your vision of welcoming all, including all and nurturing all in your beautiful world. We know that all have a place in many rooms you have prepared. It is a radical call to welcome. Hear us, God. <clears throat> Creating God, the earth praises you. The seas roar and the hills sing for joy. Fill the earth with your love so that by their song all creatures of land and sea and sky may call us to join with them in praise. Let us recommit to caring for and healing all of creation. Hear us, God. Open our hearts to your power moving around us and between us and within us until your glory <coughs> is revealed in our love of both friend and enemy in communities transformed by justice and compassion and in the healing of all that is broken. Be with the people of Sudan and Ukraine, Myanmar and Palestine and assist them in creating real solutions and bringing leaders of all countries to practice repentance and forgiveness and love. Hear us, God. Your mercy is great. We pray for those who are ill and for those who mourn in our community and throughout the earth. Bring them peace and healing. Holy God, guide us to do the works Jesus did as we lift up, encourage, and heal others, leading us all to abundant life. Hear us, O oh God. Receive these prayers in the name of the risen Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Share a sign of peace and greeting. Thank you uh, for sharing and that green of peace. There's a lot going on, so read that bulletin very carefully. Your church, uh, take note, get involved, ask questions. Come on over to the gym after the service for uh, coffee, cookies, uh, fellowship together, uh, spend a little time together in the gym. Uh, Maya Urkis, happy birthday today. Maya, happy birthday. Wave at us, Maya. It's Maya's birthday. Um, and uh, if you see Mary Wolstad as she comes in for the next service, it's her birthday as well, so you can wish her a birthday. Uh, greetings as well. Um, we're having a brief usher training after the service, so anybody who ushers or is interested in ushering, we're going to have a brief usher training after the service right here in the sanctuary. It won't last very long uh, because I've never ushered in my life, so I won't exactly know what to tell you. But no, come off for the usher training. would encourage you to do that as well. I'm going to turn it over to Deacon Amy. She's got a lot going on. Good morning. So first, a uh, call out to our preschoolers. We have our mini-me's up on the wall this morning. This is a project that our preschool students do every year, and it is so fun to get to hang those up and appreciate our preschoolers 
and our teachers. It is Teacher Appreciation Week, and we are so, so thankful for our incredible team of preschool teachers. And you'll also see some of the preschool student artwork on display in the narthex. That'll be up there all month. Uh, Sunday Forum this morning in the Fireside Room following this service at 9.15. Pastor Tom is here with us this morning speaking about interesting things, as always. So I encourage you to head down the hall <laughs> and see what he has to share this morning at 9.15. Um, a big thank you to the Congregation of Trinity. We had a youth ministry retreat with... Um, leaders and students from five different churches within our synod here for the weekend. They came Friday night, uh, they got on the 640 ferry, and then they left last night about six. We had about 40 people here in the building for the retreat, and watching everybody just be in awe of our facility and um, our willingness to host and, and what we have available, and they cannot wait to come back. So it was really wonderful, and thank you for being the congregation that welcomes everyone like you do. Now on to the event. Today is our silent and live auction, our dinner. Tickets have sold out for the dinner tonight. Um, it's going to be an incredible event. But we have set up some of the silent auction items in the gym this morning. So you can go take a peek and see what's out there. And if you don't have tickets for tonight, you're welcome to write your name in on those bid sheets. And we're not going to close it out until tonight, but, but you might have a chance. So um, come see me in the gym after service. Thanks. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Lots going on. Uh, next Sunday, T-shirt Sunday. Wear your T-shirts next Sunday. We'll remind you during the week, but uh, you can wear your Trinity T-shirts. Uh, we're going to have the, even have some for sale next week, I think. And uh, but any any other T-shirt you want, it's supposed to be in the 70s next week, so we'll be happy for that as well. Come out next Sunday for. Uh, for that. Also, uh, we're about to put together our, our kind of summer um, d gathering groups, uh, kind of four by fours of eight people, singles and married people and couples and whatever. Uh, put those folks together to uh, four different times during the summer to be on the back deck or in the backyard or in the kitchen to uh, share a meal together. So sign up out there if you'd like to do that. Uh, we're about to pull those together. And then a word about communion, and that is all are welcome. Uh, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where your journey's been. It doesn't matter if you've never worshipped with us before. Uh, you are welcome by the invitation of the one and only host, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So uh, the ushers will help you. The center section is to come first down the center aisle. Uh, hold out your hand to receive uh, the host and uh, then hold on to it momentarily. You'll dip it into the chalice. Only grape juice today, so don't worry about that. All grape juice today. And uh, the blood of Christ shed for you. But know that all are welcome, wherever you have been. We're going to transition now uh, towards the table. If it's comfortable for you, I would invite you to stand. So is it we gather at a table the welcome our parents, our grandparents, uh, all who have gone before us, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations uh, across the globe this day. As we do so, we remember the story from Holy Week. It was a Thursday night. It was an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on that night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He then broke it and gave it to those who were about to betray him, his own disciples. 
He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in
body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. The service doesn't end here, it begins here. Go out the, this, the doors fed and forgiven and make a difference where God had put you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn, a uh, little activity, aerobic. Um, we are dancing, singing. No, that's next week. I'm so glad Jesus looked at me. It is next week. One week ahead. I'm so glad Jesus looked at me. Thank you.